This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Celadon Reed. Cel, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Absolutely. Oh, well, appreciate it. And uh, why don't you start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? So I am Celadon Reed. I am from New Jersey, born and raised in Jersey City, New Jersey. I'm a realtor with Keller Williams Elite Realtors. I have been a realtor full time for the past 18 and a half years, but I've also been an investor for the last 26 years. So that's a little bit about my background and why I love this industry that we're in. Awesome. Well, I certainly love it too. And you mentioned that you've, you've been in it for 26 years. What was your first exposure to the power of real estate? What like flicked on the lights and you're like, oh my goodness, this is an amazing thing. I don't know if I quite saw it that way. <laughs> but <laughs> my first exposure, my parents were investors. And mm-hmm. as a younger child, they used to allow us to write out the rent receipts for the tenants. So initially, my first exposure was the opposite. When I used to see my mom mm. stressing and really, in the, you know, like I, I saw the interaction differently as a child. I was just like, I'm never going to be a landlord. I never want to buy real estate. I never want to own real estate. And it was one thing that turned me around. I was a teen mom. I had my first child at 16. I was working hard in high school as well as working a job. And by the time I got to be about 20 years old, struggling as a single mom, my mom said, my, my, both my parents were like, hey, why don't you buy some real estate? And I'm thinking, I can't even make the rent. How am I going to buy real, with what, right? So what actually happened was they kept telling myself and my brother, why don't you look into real estate? Buy something that'll allow you to not have to go to work as hard as you do. And I kept saying, they're crazy. I, I would never be a landlord because of the headache. So one particular Thanksgiving, when I went to visit my parents in South Carolina, my mom, as soon as we parked the car, like in the driveway, from the drive from New Jersey to South Carolina, she's like, hey, come with me. And I said, okay. So she was like, listen, remember my car? And that's in the driveway. They used to steal all the time in New Jersey and joyriding, paid for by the tenants, right? We go in the house. She was, we were in her in her bedroom and she's like, hey, see my mink coats that you used to love the styling profile in with, you know, in pictures with your friends, paid for by the tenants, right? All the jewelry that she had, my mom said, hey, paid for by the tenants. And I'm looking at her like, okay, but yeah, I still remember the headaches that you had, right? So here's what she shared with me. She was like, listen, the headaches came from doing business with family that did not respect business. She said, if you can avoid being in business or doing business or interacting in business with family, you'll be fine. If you deal with, interact with, and be a part of business where people know how to run a business, you'll be fine in real estate, right? So first part of business was, Struggling mom, 21, my brother had to move in with me to help me take care of my daughter so that we could offset finances. 
and my parents come to visit. And my dad kept saying, hey, did you look for any houses? Have you looked at saying with what money? So he's just like, just go look for some houses. We went to visit a family member. We get there. There's a big banner that says auction coming up in a couple of weeks. My dad says, that's right there, what you should be trying to buy. So it was a two family hmm. house that my family members lived in in Jersey City. Long story short, we bought it. My family members lived in one unit. First nightmare, I was 21. My brother was 29. I looked 16. We bought the first property at auction for $10,000 back in 1996. And the headaches began at first. But I will say this to you. We refocused. We did. We refocused, got rid of the family member, ran it like a business. That one property within one year allowed us to refinance into several other properties. And I got into the industry as an investor from there. That's how I started as an investor. As uh, far as I got into it as an agent, whole nother story. You can ask me that, that story, probably over drinks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, I, I love the, the uh, initial story of someone's exposure to real estate. So you answer that, you know, great story, appreciate it. That's and, crazy. you know, I'm, I'm curious as you've gone from investor to real estate professional and helping with transactions, what's the single most important action that you have taken on a daily basis, which has attributed most to your success? I guess for me, I'm in several social media groups that allows me to, my referral base is crazy. Like, I mean, when I say referral base is crazy, I'm very happy and thankful for social media. At first, I was one of those people that was shying away from social media. You know, when you get a certain age, you're like, ah, I don't need that. But I learned to leverage that. So my one action is every day I wake up grateful and thankful and I hit my social media page. And usually in certain groups that I'm in, they're always asking for an agent in New Jersey. And I beg to interview like, hey, I'd love to interview for that referral. And usually once I give them a little backstory, a little quick bio, I usually get the lead. So my one action every day is that get my butt on social media show up, be present, raise my hand, let people know I'm here for your lead. I'm here for your lead. I'm here for your referral. Yeah. Easy as that. Love it. Well, that and follow up. I guess follow up would probably be simultaneous because I make sure that I follow up with those leads too via social media. Of course. Of course. So you seem like you're getting a lot of referral business and I'm curious then what is your percentage of referral business and existing sphere as opposed to totally new business from prospecting or paid advertising. Do you kind of know that percentage? I believe I do. I'm certain I do. So I would tell you that from 2019 to present day, my percentage would probably be anywhere between 60 and 65% referral-based business. And then the other percentage would be sphere of influence, repeat customers, so forth and so on. And sometimes it fluctuates. I think it's being here in New Jersey where the uh, seasons change often, I'll see a difference too in my referral, my my referral business. It definitely is different. I get lots more referrals spring and summer here versus the the winter. So as far as what I do during downtime when I'm not getting the referral organically, just you know by uh, word of mouth or social media, I don't do any very. I don't do very many paid advertising. I go fishing. I, I go door knocking. I have no problem with going to the mall and socializing with people. I'm always complimenting people and just engaging and having conversations. I, I'm a shoeaholic. So I always spot another woman with some really good shoe game. And I'm like, hey, where'd you get those shoes from? And then once we start engaging in the shoe conversation, here's my business card. If you know anybody looking to buy and sell, look, let me grab your contact real quick so I can talk to you later. Maybe we can go shoe shopping together. Boom. That's automatically a contact. And it usually leads to a listing or a sale. Almost always. 
I like it. And you answered my next question. What systems do you have in place to increase that amount of referrals that you're receiving in business? And did you learn that from the Brian Buffini approach or anything like that? The Actually, believe it or not, I have been doing that way before the internet was like super happening. I'll tell you the funniest story about lead generation for me. When I first right. got in business in 2003, I used to take my oldest daughter and my goddaughter out with me door knocking. And I grew up in a city, in Jersey City. So almost everywhere was multifamily homes. So I got to everybody's dinner table, everybody's front door, even barbecues. I used to walk up in the backyard on barbecues, like, hey, you know, let me talk to you real quick. <laughs> Guess who got passed around a business card? Got tons of leads. But you know what happened? I always got to the dining room table because they knew, one, she's a female. She has two young kids with her. She's not going to rob us or, you know, come in here and cause us harm. So they would always invite me in. And before the end of the night, I left with a lead. So they will always give me business that way. And everybody knew where to find me. So that was how I started out organically before I knew anything about a social media or anything else like that. I advertised myself by door knocking. And then from door knocking, when if it was raining or if it was snowing and we can't just go door knocking, I went to the mall. That was my mm-hmm. exercise. And look, I was doing cardio and cards. That's what I used to tell people, cardio and cards. Because <laughs> I'm walking <laughs> around the mall, walking around the mall, getting those steps in and passing out my cards. Right. Makes sense. And it's so simple. I mean, there's abundance in business all around us. And I think that a lot of times real estate professionals overcomplicate something that really can be quite simple. And yeah. uh, like for me, yeah. I don't like cold calling. I don't, I, I learned to do mm. more of it now, like right now in this market that we're in right now, the scarcity of the inventory that we have, I've learned to do more cold calling. I mean, I've done it in the past, but I'm just telling you, I'm doing it more often than I want to. But um, before pandemic, I'm out here. Like I, I have no problem with, like I said, I'll go sit in a coffee shop just to socialize. I like socializing with people. And most people would recognize me. Hey, weren't you the one that was in the gym with your, your logo on that said you sell real estate? They come up to me. Yeah. That, no, I, I like that. And what you said is really important. You didn't like cold calling, but you loved this in-person social butterfly aspect of lead generation. So you doubled down on that and you did I, that a lot, right? Because you enjoyed it. And I think that's important. If you like cold calling and you don't so much like the face-to-face, then that's cool. If you like door knocking or if you like social butterfly, that's cool. If you're a marketer and you can do marketing stuff and have leads come to you, then right, lean into that, right? And so I, I think it's important to play to your strengths in, in this industry. There's a ton of ways to go make a million dollars, but you got to play to your strengths. And you know, there's all this focus on you know, work on your weaknesses, work on your weaknesses, round out your business. But I think that it's in some cases kind of the opposite where if you just find out you're like genius level in this one thing, for you, it's this social butterfly ability to start a conversation or break the ice with anybody and just have them put their guard down and, and build one more connection in your network. That's a superpower. And you've been able to lean into it. Absolutely. Right? Like, listen, I only, I only speak one language, which is English, but I'll say this to you from then to now, what I love about the industry we're in, if I can't speak the language, someone in my market center does. So if I find out what language it is, I'll pick up the phone in a second and just send a text or email blast. Who speaks Russian? Who speaks, you know, Spanish? Who speaks Italian? They'll get back to me. And guess what? Now I'm, you know, using the Google interpreter to let them communicate. And there's a referral. I'll give them the referral. They work the referral. We close it. Boom. There's more business. So I've learned to not have that language barrier be a factor mm. for me in business either. And initially it was like 18 years ago, you know, at first I'm thinking, ah, what am I going to do? You know, this person only speaks Spanish. Well, guess what? Both my daughters now, they speak fluent Spanish. So I usually let them interpret for me. 
And that started when I was having them interpret stuff for my tenants that spoke Spanish. I used to be like, hey, 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 what is she saying? <laughs> so the kids learned how to speak Spanish and let me know exactly what the tenant needed. And it started from there. So I also incorporated them into my business with certain, you know, things. If they speak Spanish, hey, wait one second. Let me get my daughter on the phone. Hey, can you talk to her real quick? <laughs> and that works for me too. Referral start to, to finish. That's awesome. And it's still relevant today. I mean, in online lead generation, some teams will complain about Spanish-speaking leads, but it's only because they don't have a Spanish-speaking agent on the team. Right. And I love your approach to, hey, Google Translate, hang on one second, uno momento, right? And right. You, you then, you like piece it together, you refer it out, you find someone in your market that does speak Spanish and is, is a good agent. And then you can, you know, with some Translate, put it together, connect them, get a referral, boom. Still That's monetizing it, win-win, right? You're, you're still proactively making it happen. So I, I really like to hear that. Thank you. That's a good one for me. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So where do you think the industry is heading? You know, like, to, like Tesla reinvented the car buying experience. It's totally different to go buy an electric car now and you can just order it online, pay a hundred bucks, have it delivered right. to you in two, two weeks or two months. So do you think the real estate transaction will mostly be automated by like 2030? I think it probably will be. If not, really? if not fully, I'd say we're halfway there now. That's only what, eight years away? We're halfway mm -hmm. there now with all the systems that we have in place and the robocalling as well as systems like showing time where, you know, you can just schedule an appointment automatically and get into a property, you know, as an agent. I think we're about 75 to 80% there now. So I do think that maybe, but you're going to always need a human being. You, I, I don't care what right. they say. You're going to always need a human being forever. It's just like where they automated a lot of the telephone companies so forth and so on, like our cell phone companies. Most of us want to speak to a human being. Representative. Representative. So I think they'll always still need us in this industry for sure because people need that human interaction. They need that contact. They need to know that somebody has their back, that somebody is able to solve their problem. Not a computer, not a system, but a person. Yes. No, I, I agree that no matter how much technology automates, even today with some of the most automated things, it feels good to pick up the phone and talk to a human that can help you, right? That's absolutely. knowledgeable, that cares. So yes, absolutely. So apparently you have no problem with lead generation because it feels like you're the person that just everywhere you go, you generate leads. And I, I love that. Say, listen, I won't so, say I have no problem. <laughs> I won't say I have well, no problem. Well, we can, talk, we can talk about that too. We can talk about that too. But <laughs> what I wanted to ask you was, uh, once you have the listing, how are you leveraging digital marketing to help you know promote that listing and, and generate more leads from it? Well, I'll say this to you. If we go back 2016, 2017, 2018, I used to spend money on marketing a lot more back then. Somehow, and here in New Jersey, we'll say the inventory started getting tighter. And again, I leveraged social media. As soon as I put coming soon on my social media platform, I automatically get somebody in my inbox like, hey, so uh, what's the price point? I have a buyer. I'll say to you, 2020, I started getting contracts in my Facebook, um, my private messages and on, on Instagram, actual contracts and my DMs. You like, this is what DMs are for now? Like, you know, but right. the younger generation, this is what they're doing. So I'll say to you, I have not paid for any um, social media advertising. I have not paid for any marketing since about 2018, 2019. And that's strictly because of the tightness of the industry and the less of the inventory here in New Jersey. So it's like scarcity, you know? So if you have it, I tell people jokingly that like, I'm like a drug dealer. I have those twos. I got those threes. I got those fours. Like, you know, two and three, four families. 
who needed it, who wanted it, who got it. I'm really humorous on my social media too. I don't do a lot of videos, but I say a lot of joking things like, hey, who needs it to family? See me. And they'll inbox me and here's a contract. So I haven't done any paid advertising or digital marketing in uh, several years now. And I'm I'm proud of that in a way, because before it used to be easy for me to just go ahead and pay somebody else to do it. Like, here, pay somebody else to do it, because I'm not very much um, computer savvy. I'm not. I can be the first one to tell you that that's not my thing. As you saw, my daughter earlier was here setting up things for me. Mm-hmm. This is not my thing. And I've just recently started allowing myself to be seen on social media, like, you know, video wise. I would post a picture of myself here and there or post myself at a home inspection or a video of the home itself or clients, but I wouldn't be in present in the video. And everybody started requesting it. Like my friends at work and, and everybody else was like, so they need to see you. They need to see them fly shoes you have on. They need to see, you know, that hat that you, you're wearing today. They need to see it. So that actually, believe it or not, showing myself did also start to lead to more leads because people started thinking she's funny or like, she, you know, she's, she's sassy. She's a little classy. I want to work with her. That helps. That's right. You can see your personality and and people are attracted to other people. I mean, when you have these Instagram pages with only like quote images and there's no person behind it, those never really take off. But when you have these personalities, these influencers, right? That's because when people watch it, they can connect. They think they're funny. They, they think they're attractive. They think they're knowledgeable. They think they're whatever. And then they build an affinity for that person. So I'm getting better, I, I'm getting better <laughs> at that point. It took me but, a while to get here, but I'm getting better with being present and showing myself and doing little videos. Like I haven't done a TikTok yet. Don't laugh at me. I've done no TikToks, but I know this is relevant and it's necessary. Hopefully I get on it before the wave goes out. <laughs> That's right. Now is the time. Right. Now is the time. So are there any quotes you think of often or live by? Any quotes that I live by? Yeah, do it now. That's my favorite quote is I have a pep talk with myself every day to just do it now. Like do it now. Because in the past I've always said, I'll do that later. I'll do that tomorrow. And then, you know, do it now. And then right. also, I, I think my other quote would be the one that I usually share the most with like my teammates and stuff like that. I was like, don't be so attached to the outcome, more so be attached to the income, which you're putting into it. And the outcome will be a positive one if you put a positive, you know, input into the result, you know, the, the situation. I'm always saying, don't focus on the outcome. Don't focus on the income. Focus on what you're inputting in and what the client is getting out. Makes sense. Yes. Focus on what you're putting into it. The actions is how I describe that. And I I used to do sales training and I would talk about the action results cycle phenomenon where most people are focusing on the results. And if you do that, then you might have some really good results. And then what happens? You're happy about that. You take your foot off the gas and you stop doing the things that got you the results. And now all of a sudden, your success goes back down or your income goes back down. And now you're on the cycle. You're on the up-down roller coaster where you're focusing on the results. Oh gosh, now I have no results. I have no money. I have no income. I got I to gotta get something going, right? Then you get the results again. You slow back down. It's this I'm vicious guilty. cycle. I'm guilty but of doing that in the past, but I'm not, I don't do that. We all so are. <laughs> we all are. But if you focus on the action of you know, 100 contacts a week, 30 calls in the morning, 30 calls in the evening, whatever your action is, right? If you focus on that and you get happy about doing that and finishing that, now all of a sudden you have the consistency, you have momentum and everything takes care of itself. Right. And the results will come. You're absolutely right. I 100% think that you and I are on the same page on that one. I used to be the opposite of that for sure. 
And like right. I said, this is why I had to have the pep talk with do it now because I was a, I was for a long time, a heavy procrastinator as far as I'll make, cause I told you I don't like calling. So he's like, I'll do that later. I would have say someone that sent me a referral and then maybe I contacted that person one time and they didn't respond. And I said, oh, well, they don't want to do business with me. Like, you know, like I, I reached out, I either made the phone call or I sent the text or I sent the email as requested, right? As to the way that they wanted to communicate. And if they didn't respond back, it was like, oh, well, on to the next. I literally had to reprogram myself and reprogram that brain of mine to say, hey, no, you know, maybe that time right there wasn't convenient for them. Or maybe that method, even though told to you by either the referral agent or the client, didn't work for them at that time. So I'll go back in and if that person said they would prefer a phone call, now I'm going to send a text to see if you respond to that. Or I'll send an email to see if you respond to that. And believe it or not, I've realized that that actually has been working more often than not, that it may be that they told you it's going to be this method that's going to be best for them. And I'm finding that this method may be best for them at this time. Do you find yeah. that when you communicate with someone on a certain channel and then you capture other contact information, that that original channel ends up being the best one to communicate with them through? For example, if someone, hey, PM me on, on Facebook, they send you a personal message on Facebook, and then inevitably throughout the conversation, you get their phone number and their email. If you try and like text and email them, do you find that oftentimes the best way to get a hold of them is on that first medium, which in this case is Facebook Messenger? Definitely if it's a millennial. Yes, absolutely. If it's a millennial, yes. for sure. If they started that conversation, even if they give you the email address or phone number, they're more than likely not going to answer that platform. Right. Yes. Yes. Go back to the DM. Go back to the private message because that's where they'll answer it. Yes. That's right. Yeah. I, I've noticed that too. So when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what questions do you ask yourself or what things do you do to get back on track? Is laying here going to allow me to be productive? Is watching TV going to be, is this going to bring you the results that you want? You know, you, you, I have, everyone has their goals that they have set for themselves. And I'll look at the TV and be like, this can, you know, this can wait till later. I, I can repeat this or, you know, this is something that can be on a DVR, watch later. So I'm asking myself questions like is, in this moment, is what you're doing right now getting you closer to the goal that you have or further away? And then it's usually an easy reset button when it comes down to that. It's like, OK, if I'm on the phone with one of my girlfriends, they say I usually my friends kind of know to not call me a certain time in a day or whatever. But sometimes they do. They need to talk. They have something going on. Hey, so you got a minute. Just need to vent. I have to make sure that I time that venting period. Boop. Yeah, go ahead, girl. What's going on? And they'll tell me what's going on. I work through the problem and help them solve their problem and stuff. Okay, great. Talking to you. I have to go now. Talk to you soon. Boop. Right. And I'm out because I have to realize that is helping them with their problem, helping you get further, you know, away from your goal or closer to the goal, further away for sure. So you can talk to them later on after hours. I mean, in, in that moment, you want to be a good friend because you, you're going to have those moments too where you need your friend to be a good friend, but you have to limit those moments. When you have mm. a goal that you're trying to accomplish in business, that friend has to know that I'll, I'll give you five minutes, finish, done, we good, click, back to work. And I'm talking to that friend later on that evening, you know, just enough time to Absolutely. talk to them off the ledge and then I'm back. <laughs> yeah. You know what I like about that is you are still able to be there for that friend, but you set the boundary to, to say, okay, hey, you're going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. Yes. I got to get back to what I was doing. I'll talk to you soon. Right. And, and you're able to do both, not just, uh, nope, can't talk right now. And, and also not jumping on for, oh yeah, I, I have some time. And then neglecting for the next hour, right. what you set in your calendar to do for yourself. Right. I think the way that you described it is the best medium, like 
okay, I'm going to flick on my friend hat right now, be a good friend, right. set a boundary to get back to what I'm doing because I have a compelling goal that I'm working towards and a big why that is getting me there. So yeah, I love that. That's great. Absolutely. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I would say for me, it's just being consistent, you know, like really just consistency, mm-hmm. being consistent. Cause I'll say this to you. I have a new granddaughter. My daughter, um, move back home and I have a granddaughter now and love to spend time with her love to spend time with she knocks on my door every morning at a certain time you know like to say good morning and I can get caught up and wrapped in the net but again it's about hey I gotta get back to this because if not I'll get distracted and my whole day will be messed up so let me get this done first and once I'm done I'm all yours so I Mm -hmm. think it would be again for me is forming better habits because I wasn't doing that before I again I used to be like distracted by everything oh shiny new car like you know like look at the new car over there look look at that when i realized that you don't need a new car you have a, a new car get back focus on what you're here to accomplish and that goal of yours which is to get more listings so what are you going to do today that's going to allow you to focus on getting listings? so i'll say this to you habits when i was working out consistently because i'm not currently i can admit that when i was working out consistently I was in the gym regularly, branding the heck out of myself. Like I said, I used to have shirts, let you know I'm in real estate. I used to be like, got listings. Like, you know how you say you got milk? Back in my shirts, you say, got listings. And then I was like, please call, you know, stuff like that. I was a walking billboard and I stayed focused on that. And people really knew me at the gym for that, being a realtor. Everybody knew I was a realtor. And I wasn't messy about it. Like, I didn't, um, I didn't have, you know, dollar breath is what we call it from time to time. I literally right. just would have a general conversation with them that led into business or what have you, or they would want to ask questions because they liked the shirt or they thought that was creative. Uh, so I think just for me, it's just being focused and committed and being consistent on real estate, you know, because there's so many other things to do. Of course, you know, that that will lead you down a rabbit hole of nowhere. So for me, let me get the real estate business out of the way during the day, during the, mid- the morning. And then you're, I'm all yours on the afternoon or the evening. That's just how I, I am. It took a while to get there, too, because, again, I, I'm a problem solver by nature. So anytime someone had well, even in the office, I have a home office, as you see right now. Before, I used to have an office in the office and then also one at home. Love congregating. I love communicating because when you have other people that are like minded that are doing the same thing, it allows you to bounce off ideas off of them and ask questions if you're struggling with something. But I also realized, too, during the pandemic showed me that I was a lot more distracted than I thought it was that I ever, ever knew that I was once we were here and we had to be more still and more focused and we were able to do zoom consultations and you know zoom meetings and stuff like that it allowed me to be so much more focused so believe it or not 2020 to now has probably been the highlight of my career as far as focus as far as production um and it's not even about the dollars but it's just really a focus and I focus on who I want to work with how I want to work with them and it's made me so much more relaxed I no longer have high blood pressure and a whole bunch of other things that I used to have previously because I used to be so such a workaholic not just solving my own problems but everyone in the office's problems too let me help you let me, mm. help, you, let me help you let me help you and I had to realize that wasn't helping me great point as well yes and you know setting those boundaries and having this space to focus on yourself and I really think COVID has allowed that for so many people mm-hmm. you know used to be you go into the office it's so easy to have busybody conversations, water cooler conversations, or get sucked into someone else's problem. Yes. This escrow's blowing up. Oh, I can help you, right? Like, yes. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> that was. I save the day, right? And that's not 
giving you any of that commission or helping your family. I mean, it's nice, but they also have the broker that's in the office that should be helping them with that if they really need it. And so it's like, you just get so distracted so easy. And, and, and for years I was thinking, my gosh, I would be so much more effective if I worked from home and turns out I am, (laughs) I get so much more done. I get, you know, with between zoom calls and everything like that, not having to commute, not having to drive, you know, here, this, this, that, and the other, and you only do the in-persons that really matter. Like it's, it's so, so game changing that technology has allowed us to do this. And, and I, I'm actually grateful for the transition that was accelerated. Um, so that was one of the positives. I was very nervous in the beginning. I was very nervous in Mm. the beginning thinking that that was going to tank my business realistically, not being able to meet people in person. Cause again, I share with you, I like to meet and greet and socialize and genuinely get a feel for people's body language and you know, how they are looking. Once we started doing zoom, I I realized, Oh my gosh, I can can get this stuff done so much faster because I'm time. Everybody's a half an hour time block. Oh, I'm done. Whereas if I'm in an office, I might've blocked just a half an hour interview for them. Here it is hour and a half later. We're still going. We're still at and it. We're here talking about all the stuff, you know. Driving to the office, going to to and from the different offices or, you know, the different meeting rooms and this and that, the travel time. And uh, yes, it really expands and it doesn't, it limits your ability to do as many things. And then you're away from your family. Yeah. Right here, you can pop in the other room, have lunch with your, your daughter and go right back to it. And you're, you're on a meeting two minutes later. So yes. that's exactly how my day looks. <laughs> right. Exactly. Love it. So. Is there any bad recommendations that you hear given to real estate professionals? Yeah, I would say, okay, so bad recommendations to me would be when a lot of other agents that are seasoned allow new agents to be focused on the money or allow them, they'll talk to them about how much money they made. You're like, oh, I'm a high producing agent. I made X, Y, Z. And that ruins someone new because if they're focusing on the money and they don't receive it or they don't see it, it easily catapults them back into going back to corporate or working for Uber Eats or something like that, because they didn't see the results that Kathy has or, you know, that uh, Tom yep. had. So when I'm talking to new agents or if I'm some of my new recruits when they're coming in, I'm always explaining to them, if you focus on making sure that the customer has what they need, the money will come. And, I, and I, my joke, my joke is all the time, like, I've not missed a meal yet. If I push away from this podcast, you'll see that I have not missed a meal yet. And I'm like, it's because I don't chase the dollars. I don't, I don't focus on... The money, the money will come as long as you are being of service. And what you're providing during that service is the most important. You want to be kind. You want to be caring. You want to listen. You want to be able to be a resource to the client. You know, so I tell them, focus on that. Don't focus on the money because automatically they want to sit down with us top producers all the time. And some of my colleagues will say all of the bad things like, hey, you know, you see like my new Ferrari outside. Uh, I, I sold a new construction, you know, up in such and such. You can too. No, they can't. They don't have the skill set for that yet. No, they don't. You know, they don't tell these people that they can go and just put up a sign and sell $8 million house and have a Ferrari. That's not how right. this industry works. And if they do that within the first year or two, that Ferrari will be possessed and sold your career. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think the things that are being told to them are more focused on the financial gains. When this real, when this industry is so much larger, so much bigger, and there's so many different things to the industry. It's not one for, you know, it's not one space. You can be in residential today, tomorrow you can be commercial, and then you can be a developer, 
or a flipper like myself. So there's so many different facets to the industry. And I explained to them, learn a little bit of each so that you can be multifaceted and you can have something going. If, if the residential market isn't working because it's tanking, you can slide into commercial. If the commercial is tanking, you can slide by have the knowledge and be a resource and be able to pivot and do different things because the market pivots all the time. Yeah, very interesting. And that concept of not focusing on the money early is really important. Getting into it for the right reasons, having a long enough runway, giving yourself enough time to have your first transaction to, you know, getting up to 10 transactions a year on the residential side and like get the machine going Absolutely. because it, it does take time, right? It is, this industry, it's notorious for like on the commercial side. Oh yeah, you're going to be working for a year before you get your first transaction. Right. Right. Residential, typically, you know, if you have, if you live in the area, you have a local sphere, you follow what your broker tells you, you'll typically get it sooner than that. Right. But still, I mean, you're making, you know, one or two sales, maybe three sales that first year in a lot of cases. And a lot of people can't live on that or eat on that, or and they're, they're not certainly going to be achieving the top reps commission that first Absolutely. year. And the concept there is, you know, don't compare my year 12 to your year one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. That right yeah. there. And I always say, yeah. is for, I tell the new agents, focus on education. Be as educated as you can regarding the industry. Like, don't take what you learn in real estate class and think that that's, uh, you know, that's the end of your education and knowledge. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Nothing to do with this. And nothing, say it again, nothing to do with this. <laughs> so I say to them, read some books, meet some people, read some people, but do it on a level of just gaining the knowledge and being able to know exactly how to meet people's objectives. That's the main thing that you want to be able to do as a new agent. You're not going to be able to take those no's as much as I get the no's and they rub off my back. No. Okay. Next time, you know, next time then. Okay. I'll give you a call soon. I'm not offended. I'm on to the next call where I've had agents cry. And I'm like, when I say cry, I just have to say that there's no crying in real estate. There's no crying in real estate. If you want to cry, cry in your shower when, before you get to work, before you get dressed, cry in the shower. We don't want to see crying in the office. We don't want to hear about it. Everybody's going to have some rejection at some point. You want to, that rejection should make you stronger so that you know exactly what to do in the next call or the next interview or the next, you know, greeting with someone don't take the nose personal because it's not personally towards you. It's just that that person may not be ready at the time. Doesn't mean no means forever. No means not right now to me. No means, okay, well, I'll give you a call in six months or let me give you a call in a year, whichever, you know, but I don't understand though. No to me mm. means not right now. Whereas someone new, they'll break down the crime, be ready to quit the industry automatically because no is devastating when you hear it 10 times a day, five days a week. <laughs> right. You know? Makes sense. You have a great philosophy towards that. Yeah. Is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you asked some great questions that's going to have me thinking even further once we end the call. <laughs> I'm thinking, how can I answer that better next time if I'm asked that? So I think you've asked some really good questions on this call. Uh, I don't know if you have any other questions that you want me to answer for you, but I think you did a great job of asking the questions that got me to open up and think about some things too. Awesome. Well, mm -hmm. I, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm curious how listeners can contact you. Oh, you can contact me on Facebook at Celadon.read, on Instagram, Cell Cells NJ, LinkedIn. I'm there too. I do quite a bit of business on LinkedIn, believe it or not. And my Twitter base is starting to blow up. So Celadon R on Twitter. And if you need to contact me by phone, 201 
832-7921. Email me, celadon.read at gmail.com. Celadon Read, everyone. Call or sell if you contact her. Right. Yeah, I really appreciate awesome. having you on. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, have a good day. You too. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.